Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Bees Tactical Podcast, where we try to get under the bonnet of all things tactical and statistical at Brentford. I'm David Anderson, your host for today, and for this special preview episode of Bristol City v Brentford, I'm delighted to be joined by Dave Featherstone, or more widely known as Fevs. Dave's, how are you? And thank you for joining us. I'm really well, David. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. This, um, yeah, really kind of you to come on and chat. Um, I've followed your work for a while now. I think a few other people have. Um, and yeah, just really good to sort of put a voice to the to the numbers, so to speak. Absolutely. Likewise. Okay, so for anyone who hasn't followed you or isn't aware of any of your work, could you give us just a quick intro to maybe some of your accounts or or your other bits or various sort of analysis pieces online? Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm Dave Fevs on, on Twitter, um, but of probably in the last three or four months, I, I created a, um, a Twitter account specifically for my football, and it's called Fevs Football. Um, so at Fevs Football, or one word, if uh, any of you are, are listening and, and want to follow me, if you're not already. Um, and that was really mainly just to kind of divorce, uh, you know, non-football stuff and, and, and keep it all separate. But it still varies across both of those accounts, depending on what mood I'm in and uh, perhaps whether I want to be controversial or not, or perhaps more data data related. So I, yeah, I, use, I use both of those accounts. And I, I guess some of you might have also seen, I, I do a what can we expect thread on one team in Bristol, which is the Bristol City uh, Forum, um, which also um, I'm really grateful to uh, James Piercy at Bristol City Live, which is the local paper, uh, or the online version of the local paper. He he hosts my what can we expect uh, most match days, although I haven't done any this year because I've been busy working. But, um, yeah, um, you might read my kind of in-depth uh, previews of, of games um, on that site as well. Yeah, great stuff, Dave. I think... Um... Yeah, people people should be aware of you by now. I think most people are who are listening to this, I'd hope anyway. And um, if they're not, they're definitely going to be checking you out after this. Yeah, really good way to catch up on everything Bristol. Um, yeah, teams, analysis, how they're performing, um, how bad their underlying numbers are. It's all there and uh, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, I really like it and I uh, hope people should check it out. Thank you. Okay, so I reckon we just get straight into it. You ready, Dave? Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Okay, so let's talk City. Um, so we're finally getting a chance to play this match, uh, Brentford v <laughs> Bristol. Um, the last time we played it was 4-0. Uh, 
Williams, if I recall, completely lost his head and was sent off. Um, Watkins ran riot. Ben Rama had quite a good game. Um, the game before that finished 1-1. I think it was a late equaliser from Wyman. Um, there's a bit of a tactical change from Brentford. We went 3-4-3 and it backfired. Um, we've had some close matches in the past. Um, do, do you actually look forward to these matches or are you um, are you terrified? Um, I think if we talk honestly about this week, then uh, terrified. Um, but Bristol City being Bristol City, you know, we don't we don't kind of follow the, the trend. So, you know, when, when we're when we're doing well, you can always expect a bad, bad result. And when we're doing bad, you know, sometimes when we throw up the, the surprise result. Um, but it will be a surprise if we uh, get get anything uh, out, of, out of Wednesday's game. Although we're always hopeful, yeah, there's um, there's got to be hope. Uh, you can't um, you can't go into these games completely devoid of all confidence. But um, let's just drill into why this might be a little bit negative, and um, you're not ecstatic about playing Brentford, I guess. So you, you've you're ninth in the league, which isn't too bad. I mean, you're just outside the playoffs. Um, you've got 39 points. Um, in defence, you're doing much better than the sort of expected numbers would predict. Uh, how are you doing this, and um, is the season going well, or do you do you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants? It's it's been a really bizarre season. You know, we started off really well, and although you know we we were top after the four or five games, I think most people thought you know well, you know early season form and it will you know level off a little bit. But I think it's been the performances certainly over eight, ten, twelve, even even longer than that. You know, number of games where performances have been poor in the main we've had too many halves of games where we just haven't turned up and we've and we've I wouldn't say there's been many games where we've come away thinking yeah that was a comfortable victory even though you know we've won four out of our last six or seven and you know although a couple of those are in the cup yeah results have probably exceeded performances and I think that's why there's a general kind of bit of negativity around the, the fan base at, at the moment you know we you know like a Saturday was was typical we we get to a position where we're three points off of being joint sixth. Middlesbrough go and go and draw on the lunchtime kickoff. Um, Bournemouth lost on, on the previous night, and you know you think, oh, it's there for the taking. Typical Bristol City, you know, we go and lose lose away at Derby, and it was probably our worst performance of the season. So, yeah, that's, that, that's Bristol City for you. Yeah, I've I've watched a bit, and um, I do like watching the Championship. I really enjoy seeing the different types of teams, but I just I. Bristol City is a struggle to watch. I'll um, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, before we get before we get too far into it, um, let's just talk a bit more overall before we go into the the fixture itself. Um, do, how's how has COVID affected your team? I think I like to ask these at the outset of these just to just to see if we can get a get a general feel like um, your squad depth, sort of injuries, rotation, and COVID struggles. What's 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 going on at Bristol at the moment? It, it it's been tough, you know. I- our injury problem is probably pretty well documented, and I know every team's had you know soft tissue injuries this season. But for some reason, the vast majority of ours seem to be ten, twelve, you know, weak injuries. We don't seem to get a, a, a slight hamstring pull that you know someone misses a game or two. Um, it's you know they're out for months, and then we've had a couple of players who were injured pre-season. So Joe Williams was probably the the player we were most looking forward to seeing, adding a bit of steel into our midfield. You know, we haven't seen him yet. Played an under-23 game last week. That's the first time we've seen him since he signed. Liam Walsh, who did really well at Coventry last season. We've not seen him all season. He pulled mm. a quad on, you know, I think it was back end of last season when they came back from, from the initial lockdown when I think it was Coventry's season was over. He came back with the first team in, in a slight hope that 
we might be able to include some of our loanies, but some of the other kind of technicalities and the rulings meant that he wasn't able to pull a pull a quad then, and we've not seen him since either. So we've had injuries. Nathan Baker got injured um, in pre-season against Aston Villa. I think he ripped his hamstring off the bone. So he's was back in training last week, and he's pulled his thigh now. So we've got loads of injury problems. I think at the previous international break, when we really needed that break, we had COVID, and we lost. I think. I think it's 15 players or staff members to, to COVID and, and we had to lock the training ground. So we, you know, there's been a lot of talk of you know not getting enough time on the training ground because it's you know literally play, rest, play, rest. And that, that two-week international break would have been the opportunity to you know do a little bit of a, you know drilling of the, the, the team system. And we lost that because we, we closed the training ground. In fact, they were only allowed back in for one day before they, they then went up and uh, played Derby, which you know, somehow we, we, we managed to win the, before Christmas. But, yeah, so we, we've struggled. Um, we've still got several players out. So Williams has so just played his under-23 game. He might be back, I would imagine, this weekend at earliest. He, he certainly won't be, won't be in, in the team for, for Brentford. Um, and and we'll, we'll see what's going on with the rest of the squad on our, you know, today being the last day of the window as well. Not expecting too much to happen, if anything. But uh, we might might be possibility that uh, a left back might might come in on loan, or if we can find a find a player. So yeah, it's been a been an awkward season. Not 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 great for Holden. He's had to put up with a lot. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll come on to Holden in a bit. Um, but it yeah, it does sound like you're uh, you're walking wounded and added obviously everyone's everyone's suffering with the covid issues and then to have so many so many as you said muscle injuries and actual sort of physical injuries as well it's it's a tough time so you've to, to really to get to where you are on the table and to have um to have put so many sporadic results together probably is indicative of your of your sort of team that you can select and uh and who you've had fit at the time yeah very very much so yeah it's been a quite an inconsistent team selection over the, the past two or three months yeah, I, I think a big miss as well. You just you did briefly touch on left back there. Um, Jay De Silva is a, a huge loss, and he'd be a big loss to any team. I think Brentford, from our perspective, we're quite lucky that Rico Henry seems to play every single minute of every single game, unless he's subbed off. And um, when we're really comfortable in a match, and sometimes even that backfires. But to have a player of that quality, like De Silva, is almost as at Rico Henry's level. To have him missing for so much and having to play um top tommy rowe's been playing left wing back and he's hard as nails player and uh, unfortunately he got mm. injured last week just about made it to saturday's game against derby but then only lasted half an hour and we ended up playing mariapa at left back which is probably not his, his best position no no so yeah it's a real patchwork team and just you you have some quality players out and it's going to impact any side um Okay, yeah. So let's talk about January then. I think um, January is quite interesting. I guess um, coming to an end now. You've been your results are only described as like up and down. Really, there's little consistency. I think December ended poorly with quite a disappointing defeat to Luton. I think I think Luton gave you a good walloping. Actually, <laughs> they were pretty good on the day, and I don't think there was much going on from you guys in attack. Um, you had a couple of cup games um, where you did get some confidence and a bit of um, bit of momentum. Is is that is that helping you come into the league, or have you? Is there any sort of form that you can see going back and forward between the cup and the league, or it's just getting through these games and putting in whatever performance you can? I guess that there's there's green shoots from the the, the cup games. Um, we we switched to a four four two system, so as you'll be aware, we started the season very much three five two, which is the way Holden ended 
his caretaker spell at the end of last season. And, and for me, that was our best football, our most structured football. It looked like we had purpose and you know, and a real plan to how we were playing. And, and even though I'd say I think results were probably a little better than we perhaps should have got at that point, you could see what he was building towards. And you know, recruitment seemed to kind of match that as well. And then over the you know the the late autumn and then win- winter months, we started to move to first of all to a four three three. And then over the last kind of five or six games, we've we've settled on four four two. And I, I guess big bugbear of of mine about four four two has always been that we've played it with wingers and they've stayed wide. And yet at the start of this year, we've we had Hakib Adelikan come back from loan from Hull. We had Casey Palmer back from back from Swansea. And Holden started both of those in the, I'll call them the outside midfield positions. And they played very narrow and they came in and they drifted around. And then in the last couple of games, Semenyo's replaced Adelican and done the same thing. And there looked to be some method to it. But then we went went and played Norwich and then we're awful. And, and, and it's almost kind of like, oh, you know, what, was that the right? the right system are we playing the right system and all those doubts come out again I think you know perhaps it's one of those games just accept Norwich are a better team than us and still try and do those same things in you know against the the other sides and pick up the results against the perhaps not so good sides but then you know being hopeful but against Derby at the weekend playing that same kind of system and we just didn't compete we're never in the game and you know and all those all those problems came kind of surfacing back and and even when we played a little bit better against Preston it's probably been more individuals performing and creating things than out of true structure and that's been the that's been the worry for me and the big change from early on in the season when we looked like we everyone was kind of really well drilled everyone knew what they were doing you could see us moving the ball from one side to the next waiting for the opportunity and now it's kind of helter skelter football and if it comes off it it looks great for you know as it did for 20 minutes against uh, Huddersfield last week and then for 70 minutes we got completely bossed yeah i think those yeah that if for me just looking back at your last few games these are standout things i think um luton was there's not much creative uh, creativity wise you're not you're not generating many shots um i should probably should just say most people might not be aware but you're one of the lowest shooters in the league you're down there with um with like sheffield wednesday not much greater than them and they barely shoot at all so um last few games like luton was quite wasn't much going in front of goal um, I think there was a couple of dangerous crosses into the box, but just nothing of real note. Um, I think he managed four shots against Derby. Um, you said it against Le- Huddersfield just then. Yeah, there was two early goals and um, pretty much it was just all Huddersfield from there on in. Um, what's what's going on with the team? Like, why why are you barely shooting? And um, I, I think I'd understand it if it was more of like a counter-attacking system and a counter-attacking team, but I don't think you were even set up to do that either. What What's going on? It's, it's a really difficult one to to look at and, and understand why it is you know if we take Derby on on Saturday I think we didn't compete we got one another of my bugbears is kind of distances back to front and we with Callas and Mawson we should be able to play a relatively high line and, and condense the pitch but when we don't we get really strung out far too easily and our midfield then gets overrun and we you know especially if we're playing 4-4-2 then we've only got two in the middle and those two are typically playing against against three and they just get passed around and there's big pockets for people to, you know, go and play their nice triangles and break through us, and therefore we're always on the back foot, and, and we we don't seem to be able to, you know, fight a game out, get really really tight and, and be physical and, and stop the opposition playing. I think you know opposition teams have too easy a game against us, whereas they make our, you know, when we get the ball and we, you know, there's always a man tight, 
and, and that's that's been the big worry for me is we've not been able to seem to get together as a team and we, we ended up being like three separate units in too many games and those units being too far apart and therefore difficult to to press and then also easy to be played around by the opposition it's a bit of a kind of common problem or recurring theme probably the same happened under Johnson as well last season yeah you don't it's just it's really weird to sort of pick you out as a team like you're not a you're not a patient possession side or you're not a side that does that well um you don't sit deep to soak up pressure uh you I don't know it's hard to pick out sort of any major passing models or how you how you attack either so it's all it's all very mishmashed and I think yeah that that's just borne out in results you do have some quality players and they can um, finish some situations I think you you were quite hot at the beginning of the season I think you got a couple of results that maybe looking back now they slightly flattered you but the routes to goal and some of those goals I I didn't think they were very repeatable I think um uh, Wells and Chris Martin were playing together, and I'm not sure that's a, a long-term partnership. But there was a lot of uh, Martin knockdown, or sort of him knocking stuff down to Wells, or or just sort of pinning at the back post and flicking something into the box and getting a chance from that, and sneaking a couple of shots away. But it just didn't look like it was sustainable, and I think we're seeing that now, and it's almost grinded to a halt. So there is a bit of a worry there, but let's not be too down because. Um, Brentford are 18 unbeaten and um, you have to lose these records some stage and uh, I don't want it to sound like um yeah yeah we're on a Wednesday indeed yeah it could be that it could be the game so yeah let's not be too down on you but it, the, I, I think there are some some definitely some bad signs I think that's a good time to talk about you mentioned Johnson briefly then and um, I think we talk about Holden taking over and I, I reckon when it ended with Johnson, how I sort of perceived it, it was he was such a, I don't know, I, th- I think it was time for him to go. I think he overstayed his time there. Um, I don't think many, maybe he had some really big fans, but if you're looking to improve year on year, and I, I don't think that was happening. But Holden comes in, he's a, he's a cheap hire, um, steps into the hot seat. And I don't know, I think it was quite bad at the end of Johnson. I think you were not a great team. But do you think it has it got worse under Holden? Is that fair, or you, what do you say? Where, where does this iteration of City stack up? Are you are you stronger or weaker now? Um, I th- we, I'd say we're about the same. I, th- I think I, I honestly don't believe we had the new manager banks just because Holden came in. I, I I saw things at the back end of last season and at the start of this season, and you're pro- probably aware from the, the, um, from. Analytica doing the kind of big championship preview that I wrote quite a, a long piece on, you know, albeit slightly tongue-in-cheek, uh, titled Holden Ball, but there were some massive differences in, in, in the way we played under, un, under him, and I think you know, you talk about repeatable you know, goals at the start of the season I, I, I think, you know, watching them closely, they're worse, they're worse than things so that kind of ball to the back post from Martin, from say a Jack Hunt cross, was we actually we saw quite a lot of those situations, and we were able to work the ball into the wide positions for either De Silva. And in fact, Rowe played a little bit more at left wing back early season, and and Hunt able to play quite high. And a lot of that was off the back of Mawson being able to pass the ball quickly. So from left centre back, and we had Zach Viner at right centre back, and playing the ball into kind of Zach's path for him to kind of drag a midfield out, which then gave Hunt space down the right hand side. And actually, we. We didn't always create from crosses. There was a game, albeit against Exeter in the Cup, where it was kind of Vyman being able to make an aggressive run into the final third, getting a ball from De Silva, who kind of popped up in the middle of the pitch, 
rolling his man and then sliding in Hunt inside the fullback and then a, a pullback to, to Jamie Patterson. So, you know, there's two players there, Patterson and Vyman, who were really key parts of that 3-5-2 at the start of the season. And yeah. so I'm, I'm too old school to, you know, to, to use terminology like we were playing a 6 and 2 eights, But And every, every week I'd go on the City Forum and it'd be, oh, God, our midfield's going to get overrun again. And it never did. And, and, and Vyman and Patterson were a really key part of that because I think they drove the opposition midfield deep and therefore gave people like back in centre midfield and Viner coming forward from right right centre back space and really since since those two have got out injured which you know happened way 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 back that's really probably the point where our football started to look very unstructured um, mm. so I think in those early days there were a lot of different like, you know stats wise you know things like passes complete were 20% up but they were like 20% up in all thirds as well so it wasn't just playing the ball around the back um, we were a bit of a counter-attack inside under Johnson, and yet we were no less um, effective with a counter-attack under Holden, but we were much better in terms of positional-based attacks as well. And there was that kind of quite an uplift through all the stats for you know the last five games of last season into the first kind of seven or eight this season, and then it's changed, and it's kind of fallen off a cliff. And there's been you know some games where you know we've barely been in the game, you know, instead of you know. 380, 400 passes on average it's, it's gone down to 300 or 280 and, and that's been the big difference that's not just been because the opposition have played a different way and it's descended into kind of long ball football it's just mm. we've just we've lost our kind of mojo in, in, in many respects and, we, and we've and we we've got results by hooker by crook but mainly through as you say more individual I'm not going to say brilliant but an individual creating something that's you know been the difference in terms of creating an attack rather than it being working angles, you know, playing nice triangles and gradually breaking teams down. I can't remember the last time of a Preston game where we played right where we've gone down one side, come back, gone across the side of the pitch and down the other side. You know, simple things like that. We we always seem in a massive hurry to get our attack off. And I, and I, and I don't think that's conducive to, you know, dominating games or at least having the, you know, the lion's share of games and coming away with results. Yeah, I wonder if that's... If that's what Holden wants, and yeah, as you were saying, losing big players of he, he may have identified a system and um, a good system to play in those early games, but losing key players and not having a secondary or third plan that um, comes behind that to make you effective is probably what I'm seeing most of. I think those early games seem a long time ago now, um, and you still somehow got up to 39 points, so you're, you're doing it somehow, but I don't know if it's um. By uh, yeah, by more luck than judgment. So I'm just interested to hear how you perceive Holden. I, I guess it's is he is he excused by some of what's going on because of this dreadful injury record, and uh, and is it not that bad? And he's going to be given a lot longer because there's an acceptance that this is this is a team that's on its bare bones, and he's done well to get it to where it is. I guess. Yeah, he's he's, he's done okay, but I think what we've seen of of late is that inexperience creeping in. You know the, the change of the change of systems. You know the, perhaps not the the solid selection policy that that sits behind it. You know in a condensed schedule as well. There's probably been games where we thought this is the game where you know you need to rotate players, and we've gone with the same lineup, and then we've looked you know without you know people not having a run in them, and, and so there's been a few little little flaws like that that have that have come out and that kind of. Just, I guess, you know, tempered my initial enthusiasm for for how he how he was doing. I still think he's he's doing all right, um, especially when, as you say, you contend that with the the injuries we we've got as well. Um, 
but I'd say the trend is definitely towards mid-table and top six. I think, you know, points-wise, you know, yeah, top six is still on, but it looks a mile away. There's just so many games that um, a quick run or you lose a game, but you win the one in the same week and it doesn't actually quite look as bad because no one's really putting huge runs together other than other than really us. But, um, but yeah, let's let's drill down a bit more into what Holden's doing on the pitch. I know, I know there's some interesting things you... you really a predominantly 3-5-2 team under Johnson um, and it worked for a bit you got results and um, it was effective um, you said Holden carried on with that but there's been a yeah there's been a shift hasn't there there's this 4-4-2 and um, a little bit of an asymmetrical 4-3-3 Masengo's been moved out to the wing um, you see you tend to play Wells and Martin together I think it's Jadu's come in now with one of those two and um, sort of switched up the forward line a little bit um, what I know Vine has been playing a bit of DM. Um, what it's just, it just all seems so ad hoc. Like, what? How are you seeing it? What's your What's your assessment? Yeah, I think ad hoc's a, a good way of putting it. And I think you know, going back to Johnson, that was what we got with him as well. It was lots of different system changes. So, you know, I'll go back to the start of last season. We started off four two three one against Leeds and got absolutely hammered. Then we signed a phobie and we went. Went three five two or perhaps a more like a five two one two with Casey Palmer in the in the hole behind a phobie and Vyman as it was at the time. Gigi wasn't in the side in that little run of five or six games where we played some really good football, um, won the majority of them, and then for whatever reason I know a phobie got 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 injured, but we then decided to go four four two again, and then we went to four two three one over Christmas last year, which actually was a was probably our best football where we we played a bit of a lopsided 4-2-3-1. We had Josh Brownhill who moved onto the right-hand side of midfield but played narrow. And then we had Eliasson playing as a kind of typical left winger. Most people would have seen Eliasson play down the right-hand side and cut into us left foot. But we had a series of three games where we played Huddersfield. Um, we stuffed, I think it was 5-2 at home. We went up to Fulham and won two one, and, and there was another one. We won, won three on three on a trot. Uh, Luton, Luton Town at home, we, we beat as well, and we had a kind of fairly thick side playing a, a, a good good football. But we we had that extra man in midfield, and we we had you know so Brownie was playing narrow, but we also had Vyman playing in almost in the hole behind Gigi who was playing on his own, and with his energy that really gave us an extra man there. And we had Masengo and Naj in that midfield too, which you know doesn't look the strongest. But it was good enough, and, and we played some good football with it. And then we sold Josh Brownhill, um, and, and then and then we you know we saw formation changes all over the shop again, and, and you know we lost confidence and tailed away post post COVID, and then obviously that that cost cost Johnson his, his job. So Holden's done a almost kind of almost replicated some of that over the over the past two or three months with the system changes. And you know my 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 big worry is that how, how do you recruit if you're changing your system all the time? You know, and probably. You're the last person I want to talk to about about recruitment and having a kind of set system because your guys are the the masters of it, aren't you? Really, and and I think that's where we're falling down. We've spent a load of money. We've we've raised a load of money from player sales, but boy, have we wasted some as well. And I think the amount of money we've spent for the quality we've got in our squad is probably a bit disproportionate. And that that's the worry. And that, certainly, I don't blame that on on Holden, who's had nothing to spend other than you know. One and a bit million on Joe Williams in the summer. Everyone else has been a been a free transfer. So, yeah, it's not not his doing. But unconnected recruitment, I think, is a, a big problem for us. Yeah, you feel like um, there's been a over the years. There's been a lot 
spent on this and yeah you've sold well but I don't know where you are if I look at your squad I don't know it's hard to really say whether I think it is a playoff whether it is a top six squad or it is just just above mid-table I'm I'm still unsure just looking around it's such a weird season it's hard to make sense of it at times but I'm not sure you've got the bang for your buck that you've spent over these years. That's, uh, I think that's my overall feeling. No, I agree with you. Agree with you totally. You know, we have spent a lot of money. And I think, you know, looking at the finances so and the accounts that were published a, a couple of weeks ago, where's our next twenty million pounds worth of player sales? Because other than your ex-goalkeeper Dan Bentley, I don't see where the profit comes from out of our existing bunch not in the in the next six months you know in terms of going into the summer or or the next year we're really hoping someone like a Semenyo really just kicks on and becomes a a stellar player but that's a big leap of faith and our our finances will be hamstrung going into the summer and and, and beyond as because of that you know we've got a huge wage bill for what we've actually got in quality I think yeah that's what can happen um you're just yeah stuck in a cycle of thinking you're a top team and going to going for the you think you every year you're going for the automatic so you excuse the expenditure and you you sort of think it's going to be worthwhile and it's getting you to where you need to be but it's been a few disappointing finishes and I think that's why Johnson had to go in the end because it wasn't I I don't think it was going anywhere um I, I couldn't see you going up with Johnson and you were missing out on the playoffs yeah so maybe Holden is does still have time to to settle on something and get get some more out of this team when um when a few people come back from injury i, I think um what's yeah we are we are still the window is still open this um grotesque january transfer window thing that goes on um are you is there any bit i guess there are loads of holes for you, that you'd like to fill but um a somber longer's one that i've seen mentioned it just doesn't feel like that's exactly what you're missing i, I know you're not you're not taking enough shots but I don't know. Is Asombolonga going to start making five or six shots for himself in a game, or is, does, is it something behind him that's missing the process behind shooting? I don't know. What's what would you say if you could uh, jump into the window? Would Asombolonga be the first name on your on your shopping list? Not in twenty twenty one. No, maybe twenty twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. <laughs> 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 you know, we just signed Henry Lansbury. There's a, a bit of a joke on the on the on the City forum in our in our oh, transfer wow. in our transfer sub forum. Yeah, there's there's just kind of some rules that say, you know, if you if you're putting a transfer story up here, then you know you need to tell us the source, you need to tell us whether it's a rumor, whether it's you know just speculation, whether it's just a suggestion, etc. And 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 then there's an example that says, e.g., Henry Lansbury, Nottingham Forest dash HITC as the as the source, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that's been on there for you know five or six seasons now, and uh, and lo and behold, we've we've just signed the guy, so uh, yeah. Um, now, in, in terms of in terms of recruitment, I don't think there's much money around. A, a Sombolonga wouldn't be the answer for me. I don't think he's a, a, a bad player, but I I don't see where he'd fit into the system. And 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 that's you know with a bit of a view that says I'm not sure what the system is at the moment. So yeah, I'd kind of I'd if it was me, I'd be keeping my powder dry for the summer. Let's see what really happens in the transfer market and save the money. Unless there's a player, you know, a young player in you know Premier League club who's you know going to perhaps be let go and you can get him in now and start to ingrain him I haven't seen enough of Jeff Cott at, um, at Plymouth to know whether he's a, a, a you know a good alternative to you know getting perhaps now perhaps bully Plymouth in the transfer market bring him in um, and then you know start to get him ready for for next season I haven't seen enough of him to to know whether he's that 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 good or not but I don't think we want another late 20s striker we've got Martin we've got Jiju you know he's going to be off at some point whether it's whether it's today or in in the summer, and that's a for me that's 
quite quite criminal that we've allowed a player who was once our record signing at five point three million to walk out the door for nothing. You know, it's possibility might end up going to Middlesbrough today, hence I think that's why the the Asombolonga rumours have, have started. If it was me, I'd be thinking. Actually, I'd probably rather have Ashley Fletcher out of the two. I think he actually might might fit in with the way we play a little bit better. Um, and he's free in the summer as well, allegedly. So we'll see. But yeah, I think Tommy Rose, as mentioned earlier, has just picked up an injury. We've got Jada Silva out. We brought Cam Pring back from Portsmouth, who's our other left back. He's injured for you know eight, ten weeks. So we, if anything, we should be looking to try and get a, a left back in today. But I don't know what the stories are on that at the moment. There was talk of... Um, some French guy this morning, but I guess work permit wise, even if we did, did get it across the line, it'd take a little while to get that, that through as well. So, you know, Roe might be back by then. So, yeah, it's all all a bit uncoordinated from a, from a recruitment point of view. And I think it's been been like that for a little while. I think, you know, I always say that Lee Johnson's legacy will be, and this is one of his comments, I like a club in the back. And then that's what we've got. We've got a lot of similar quality players but we am we should have been investing in top quality or you know or players to improve us not more of what we've already got yeah that sweet spot isn't it i think it's it sounds like it's all easy and that maybe from a brentford perspective that we know it all but you need enough players that feel like they're on the way up and um taking you with them and also just to push the some of the senior pros and make them realize that actually maybe they're not maybe they're not working hard enough or they're not coordinated enough and you can get that balance really wrong and um yeah there's there's a few teams in the championship that might be suffering from that a little bit but at the same time it can come good really quickly it doesn't take it just takes a couple of really clever signings um and just manipulating the market in an effective way and you've all of a sudden i, I think williams is a bit of a it's, a it's really hard to judge what how your team would have looked and how you'd have performed if williams was there this year i think he's a really interesting player um somewhat part of the wigan fire sale so I don't know. It's difficult to judge you. I, I think um, you've got a lot of players out, and I'd uh, the the default position is probably let's spend loads of money and let's try and try and sort this and get some more systems. But you've got a lot of players there. You, I think you just need to get a system that that suits them, and maybe um, maybe a Sombolonger isn't that answer to fit in. My my question back to you from a kind of Brentford point of view mm-hmm. is: so you, you you know you've gone from Neil Morpay to to Ollie Watkins, who was, you know, massively heavily scouted by us back in the day, um, and you know, ended up going going to Brentford. And I guess you've gone for Tony this season, but I wonder whether, from your kind of succession planning, was was forced just, you know, half a season, a season away from being Watkins' replacement, and therefore you've kind of gone a bit um, with an interim. You know, let's get Tony in and just try and push on because Force isn't ready. I don't know what the master plan was, whether Force was always going to be Watkins' replacement, but wasn't quite ready in time. Oh, I don't know. It's interesting you see it like that. Um, uh, Force is Force is a young player that's just been in the team and so in the B team and then sort of push, uh, pushed on into the first team. But I, I, I think Force would. I'd be very surprised if they ever thought Force was going to be the number one centre forward to play lots and lots of minutes in this team. He isn't. He isn't good enough for that. It's if you if you saw him in great detail and has had a bit of a sensible eye. A lot of Brentford fans would say that to you. They'd understand that he's not ready to start. And if it was always going to be, I, I, to my knowledge and to my how I'd understand it, there was always going to be a, a another main forward to come in because Force wouldn't. He's never really played. I'm not sure he's played more than 1,500 minutes in a season. I know he the season with AFC Wimbledon where he was on loan was cut short. 
there's nothing to say that he's ready to play that many minutes and lead the line. So I, I'm not so much an interim. I think it was just he's a young player. He's scoring a lot of goals at a good level and uh, sorry, the B team level. And he's a really good finisher. He needed to develop, went to AFC Wimbledon alone and had a, an OK loan there. He scored goals. The goals probably made it seem like he was better than he is as well. His link up play is nowhere near as good as Watkins or Tony's or that kind of that side of the game. So he's still developing. I think it's just circumstantial now that there's he is a backup and maybe some people probably see that as he could have stepped in and, and if it was an emergency if they couldn't get Tony through or there was a deal that couldn't happen maybe they would have but I think they'd have done a lot to get a main forward in ahead of him he's not quite ready yet he's still a, a season away I'd say yeah I guess with, with Tony as well he, he's obviously the, the standout striker from from League One for last year and I think there's always that worry will they will they step up but from what I saw of him, he's a you know, big, powerful lad, isn't he? But he scored all different types of goals, and sometimes you you, you see players in League One, and, and you know they score a lot of goals from through balls, you know, and one on ones, as many in the Championship, and you know you need to be looking wider. Whereas with Tony, he scored all types, and you thought he's probably going to do all right here. The fact that he's gone to Brentford, who a team that create a lot of chances, increases that that, that possibility as well. So you know, I think, you know. An, an obvious recruit, but still, still had to be done, and you know, and, and he still, still had to fit in with the way you play. And he's he's done that pretty well, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a bit rough at start. Um, I think in some of the patterns of play, he was a little bit off it, and his touch was a little bit slow, and it took him a while. But the last five, ten, fifteen, maybe getting towards fifteen games now, actually, he's yeah, he's looked um, a much better link player. Just better on the ball we know about his goal scoring we know about his box play it's just everything else and I think that's what you need from a Brentford forward so that's what he had to develop I think League One was obviously too easy for him he was way physically dominant faster just smarter than all of the players he's playing against it it moves up a level um, but the, the other side of it I probably should add before we move on or talk about some of the other um, some of the other players you have to convince players to, to want to come to your club so it's not as easy as just saying oh we should have got him but from another perspective like how do you convince Tony that this is the right home for you and he belongs there and um, we're 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 the team to sort of push to the playoffs and go up and you have to strike strike when the iron's hot and you have to convince these players to come and I think that that side of the game and that side of the market is probably a little bit underrated because Brentford aren't huge payers they've probably paid a lot more in the more, in the more recent times than before so you have to sell something to them in terms of a dream or a, a strategy and luckily Tony bought into that and he's um yeah he's uh, paying off dividends so far while we're talking about transfers and movement and uh, there's a couple of XBs at Bristol Bristol City and I think um it's good to check in on them um there's a few of them that had mixed times at Brentford Bentley to start off with was he was an awesome keeper I think a real breath of fresh air and then his entire game just completely dropped away and he was just turned into a bit of a liability I've seen him a lot for Bristol and I think he's he sort of replicates some of the form I've seen he, he can be amazing one game and then he just gets beaten from places you just don't expect keepers to be beaten the next um how do you how do you feel about him and some of the other the other expert for player Mawson He's another one that was on Brentford's book at some stage. Last season, you know, once again, another player that we supposedly tracked a long time ago when he was at Southend, um, but you know, never never materialised. Last year, he starts off the season really, really well. Got to about Christmas, and then he had his wobble. And you know, and I think most people, you know, saying, "Oh, this is kind of why why Brentford got rid of him because of that." And he did have a bit of an iffy spell. For me, he wasn't a goalie that commanded his box, um, and therefore, I think almost kind of let his 
centre-backs drop back too much on him. We had a lot of problems defending set-pieces last year as, as a result of that. We had Nicky Meinpa, um as our kind of experienced backup, who I really, really liked. Um, he was kind of you know not flashy at all, big old goalie. He was decent with his feet, but he commanded that kind of you know 10 yards from his goal, and I think he gave his defenders a lot of confidence. And that was the bit where you know Bentley had dropped off, although he's making some some really good saves. And Mindpower came back in and then unfortunately got injured. But this season Bentley's taken it to another level. He's been absolutely brilliant. I think there is no doubt, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find a City fan at the moment who'd say Dan Bentley and our player of the season at the moment. And I think you know it reflects probably how wow. we've been playing that you know we've conceded too many chances and he's he's been brilliant in goal and he, he, you know he's he is really in top form and, and not making mistakes. So, our, you know, all goalkeepers are going to have the old flap at a cross, etc. You know, it happens, you know, in a, in a busy six-yard box. But he's improved all round, I think. Um, and I think, you know, he's come out and he, he doesn't always come out and catch, but he'll come out and, you know, be committed to making a punch and he'll make that punch. And, that, and that's been the, 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 the difference in this season. As a centre-back, you know when he's coming and there's no, you know, confusion. And uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of stepped up that part of his game, and his, his, you know his, his shot making ability is is right up there. I probably, you know, you might disagree with me, right? But I, I, I'd say Bentley is the best keeper in the championship this season. Wow, that's um, <laughs> wow, you've you've um, yeah, you've knocked me out of the park there, Dave. I wasn't expecting you to to say that, but yeah, I can I can see why because of probably how much he saved you in situations, and uh, you think. You, you're overperforming at the back. I'm not. I haven't checked his um, expected goals, like sort of post shot numbers or anything like that prior to this. I probably should have done. But um, if he's keeping you in games and he's behind some of your victories, then yeah, it, you can see why you're so hot on him. Um, but I'm not sure about the best keeper in the league. I'll. Um, I can't. I won't agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, the other one that's quite interesting is um, is Mawson. I think you're 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 not really a strong team from sort of set pieces, defensive set pieces. I don't think you. I don't think you, I just don't, I don't think you are great defensively. Maybe that is why Bentley's such a highlight. Um, how is uh, Mawson? Was it another one of the ones that were injured for a while? He's just back into the team, I believe. Um, what's what's your views on him? Is a, is a lot of is a lot of your sort of future season pinned on him? Him in our three five two, his ability to kind of pass the ball and pass the ball quickly. And you know, if you if you kind of look at we were set up initially this season with Mawson as the left sided centre back. Um, Callas and Viner, and then Callas got injured, and we had young Taylor Moore. In fact, you know, Viner's still young as well. They're both both young a lot alongside him. Those early games when we were winning with a, a pretty inexperienced, you know, back three in effect. You know, uh, Viner had only played you know a handful of first team games previously. Moore had been in and out and out on loan as well. But it was his his ability to organise them, but also build attacks from the back. And then, and you know, I mentioned earlier that ability to to knock a forty yard pass through a you know, a forward press onto Viner to attack from right centre back was a massive kind of boon in terms of the way we were playing. Um, and obviously, you know, on the left side, you know, we had little mm. triangles with either De Silva or, or, or Patterson as well. And that was kind of helping us get up the pitch or retaining possession. And, you know, we were a much more possession based side in those early days of the season. And then unfortunately got injured at home to, to Middlesbrough. And I think of his previous knee injury problems, there were, there were a few worries that that might be it for him. You know, it could be a you know, career-threatening injury. Um, and I think we were surprised anyone that he was back, you know, just after Christmas and he's come back in and he's made us better. But, you know, it doesn't 
unfortunately he's not going to solve all the rest of the problems we've got in, in, in the team as well. And I think, you know, alongside Callus is a is a pretty strong central defensive pairing, but it'll get exposed if, you know, your midfield and your forwards and you know and, and your back four don't work as one big unit. And that's really what's happening to us, you know. And, you know, Callas is Mr. Mr. Block at the moment. You know, the number of times he kind of throws his body in, in in front of the ball to get a blocking. But we're conceding too many chances. And whereas early on this season we were really good at you know restricting chances to twenty five yards out, you know, and getting a block on the edge of the box, that's fine. Now it's shots from twelve, fifteen yards being blocked six yards out, and eventually you know, it leads it leads to goals. And that's really the the, the big difference. So. As defenders, they're defending really well, but the rest of the team isn't functioning in front of them, and it's you know causing them a lot more work than they need to. Yeah, you've got to have a all teams. If you haven't got a good pressing system, or if you're not a tight, compact block from like halfway line down, or you just get played through and you just concede chances, it's yeah, there's, it's not really a forgiving league. Um, people say the quality is massively down, but you just get you're just going to get punished here. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's what's happened to us. And I say, although we've we've picked up results. There's been a lot of games where we've had to withstand a lot of pressure or a lot of possession, and we've not been able to get out and not been able to take the sting out of games. You know, impose ourselves back on it as well. And just, yeah, it's been a been a tough watch at times. Mm, there is, I'm probably going back to a somber longer a little bit here, but something I I think as an outlet and just to hold on to the ball in the opposition half, this might be something you're missing a little bit. Like I, I don't think you get that too much with Wells. I think Wells can pick up the ball and then turn back and play someone in but maybe just releasing a somber longer early and then getting him to roll a defender or just do something and maybe maybe that's the thinking you're not going to get that from martin you don't get that so much you get trickery from jd but i don't know I th- maybe there's something they spotted in the somber longer that gives you a little bit more of a pivot up front if you see what i mean yeah i, I think the, one of the big problems for for me is that jiju has, has played as a, a a more conventional target man for the past you know, I guess you know virtually all of his time here, and having come from the same club that that Kodja did, I watched quite a lot of Gigi Anje before he came to us, and was really excited when he came to us, and I, I was still excited, kind of six, eight, ten games in when he was playing like the Gigi that played at, at Anje, and that was not as a target man, but a guy that actually likes facing the goal and actually likes running into channels, mm. and and probably our, our best performance in you know ten, twelve games was against Preston when actually Gigi and Martin played together so we had a bit more of a, a yeah. physical pairing and although Gigi would you know was going up for, for headers and you know you know from Bentley kicks or long balls forward and, and Martin was kind of peeling in behind Gigi was running the channels when Martin got it into feet and, and that was you know a, a lot more like the, you know the the fam that I'd seen previously in France and lo and behold you know, he scored. You know, five in five or you know whatever the the, the number of games in, and he looked in form. Saturday against Derby was back to his kind of frustrating best worst, whichever way you look mm. at, it, which was not really offering much. Yeah, so it's a bit a bit frustrating. And you know, I guess a, a few of us were thinking, was that the performance of a man that knows he's playing his last game and don't want to scupper a deal? Where, you know, whether anything goes through today or not, I, I, I don't know. But going back to kind of a, a somber longer, I think. You know, you can spin him behind in, into the channels, but I think he worked much better in a team that kind of has a lot of possession in the final third and works it about, and then you can feed a 10 or 15-yard ball into him on the edge of the box. He can feel his man, and then he can roll, spin him, and then, and then shoot. That's that's where he's at his best, and I don't think we play that type of football. I think we could play, you know, long ball over the top to him, but 
I think you'd end up getting a cut, you know, a frustrated figure there chasing balls and you know, no no support. So that, that's kind of why I'm against probably signing him. You know, you know, without even going into the you know the financial aspects of that signing as well. I'm not sure it's the right signing for us at this point in time. Borough obviously get just brandished as this aggressive long ball team, but they built some good passing systems and Sombolonga was getting in some good positions and I've seen some good performances from them. So and he did he did okay, so it's it's interesting that they're maybe cutting ties. I'm not sure about deals and contracts and whatever, but yeah, it's one to watch out for. Okay, so we'll um as we're sort of heading to a close, we'll start uh yeah, I'll start firing you um so maybe some shorter questions. Okay, so uh, think of this as a safe space. Where do you think? Um, where do you think Bristol are going to finish this season? Do you think you're? Do you think your playoffs? Do you think you can sneak into the playoffs, or are you going to finish just outside? No, we're not. We're not going to make the playoffs. I, I don't think we show the, the consistency to, to do that. You know, we might win two or three on the trot and give ourselves a bit of hope, and then we'll, you know, we'll we'll lose the next one or two or three as as well. So, I think we'll end up ninth to twelfth. You know, we'll be threatening, but never really threatening. If that makes sense. <laughs> threaten to threaten <laughs> fair enough okay um so who needs to so the game brentford uh, on wednesday who needs to perform for city to for you to win this game um i, I guess to not lose it we need bentley to perform because he's gonna need to keep out a, <laughs> a barrage of shots but we need to we need to we need to you know be a bit more physical we need to actually kick a few people and actually not be frightened to kick a few people and that sounds massively crude but we are we are so tentative, you know. We it's almost like we don't want to hurt anyone, and I think you know other teams don't care if they hurt us back. You know, we we saw against Derby on Saturday, and Waghorn's a a classic example of it. If there's a chance to you know leave a stray elbow in or just go over the top half of the ball and make a slightly crude chance, he's your man. And he did that on our 18 year old were Edwards on the, on the left wing, you know, on the, in the last minute of the game, and and that's that slight nastiness that we haven't got so I, we need a, the whole team to be a bit more nasty against your guys yeah aggression i guess it's hard to quantify and just label but yeah you're, you're obviously seeing your team just a bit too a bit too soft and too easily run through so you need a bit of a bit of a, a return on that one what are the main weaknesses i know it's probably hard to to narrow them down but what what stands out as a big weak point to you it's compactness really the the ability to play as a team rather than three separate units. Um, and I think, you know, that's compactness down the pitch and across the pitch. And, you know, people say, well, that's okay. We just get done down the wings. And I go, for me, compactness across the pitch is all being able to shuffle across and shuffle across quickly when the ball goes out to a wing. You know, I think Forrest under um, Lamucci last year, and this is kind of something mm-hmm. picked up from Forrest Boffin um, on, on Twitter, was they kind of pressed half the side of the pitch. So when what they'd do is I think Graben would make the ball go out to the fullback and then they'd really compress that side of the pitch and make it difficult to get out. Obviously prone to a you know a long switch ball over to the other side, but if you put enough pressure on the passer, the chance of making that pass successful are pretty limited. And I think that's what we don't do. We don't move across the pitch, so we kind of stay in our in our positions and then we end up getting exposed by, you know, fullbacks coming forward like Norwich did against us the you know last week. Um and we end up getting you know full back being faced up with two players, and and because we're not working enough as a team, both across and and back as well. So that that's what we need to do. We need to be compact, to be well drilled as a team off the ball. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you're still positive on Holden, and he hasn't done those things yet. But um, 
Yeah, we'll see. There's still time. There's still time. Okay, conversely, what's impressed you most about Bristol this year? I, th- I think you know, it goes back to early season when when we had a, a system that players knew and, and, a, and a structure to the way we were playing, and it might have been slightly unorthodox with you know two very very attacking midfielders or attackers in in Patterson and Vyman, but it, it worked. And I think you know that that's kind of you know what's how we've played it in our season. But I think some of the other positives have been people like. Zach Viner, as I say, only made a handful of appearances to us. In my opinion, perhaps had one loan too many at Aberdeen last season. And he's come in and he's done really, really well. Backinson started well, had his little you know, you know, young player plateau in drop off and, and he and he's come back in and he's he's kind of inconsistent at the moment. But I think it's been good to see those those young players get given a given a chance. I'd like to see more of Masengo, even if it's you know for half an hour each game, just to bring that energy. Uh, to us, and you know he's not been used enough. Um, you know the other bright spot. You know we talked about Bentley a lot. Callas looks to be kind of back to his back to his best, and I, and I think he's key and his confidence. He needs to get us up the pitch, and I think he's quick enough to, for us to play a play a high line. And then I think that would help all the other bits that we've we've struggled with in terms of being compact or not compact, as the case may be. From a Brentford perspective, who are you most fearful of? Who's um, a big worry? I know you spoke about Tony earlier. Is there any others? Um, yeah, David Rea. No. <laughs> I, I think, you know, there's lots of, lots of good players. I, I, I think um, Mbuemo, if he if he plays, I know he didn't play at the weekend, played Fosu, didn't he? But um, I think it's not allowing Josh De Silva to, to dictate as well. I, when we played you last season, I'd not really heard of him and then came away from that game thinking, what a really good player. And the most times I, I watch you play, he's, he's really, really key. He's kind of heartbeat of that, that midfield in terms of creating, not necessarily you know, chances himself, but just the way he moves the ball around and you know manipulates it and enables you to you know play those nice little triangles and get your overloads in the right place. I think he's, he's really, really key. You know, there's, there's a lot of players there that are, that are, that are good. I think you know, there's one player we might might be able to get at is is probably uh Sorensen having watched him only a couple of times and he you know I'm not saying he's a weak link as such but he looked like someone we might be able to get at if we if we do get the ball how do you think um how do you think the game will go and um what sort of game do you think it needs to be for for Bristol to to come out on top I, I don't think it's a game that we can just sit back and mop up pressure you know that's you'll, you'll score eventually and, it, and and it'll leave us nowhere to go so I think we've got to come out and play on the front foot and and, and try and try and get that first goal and I think if we can do that then we give ourselves a chance but I don't think it's a game we're sitting and, and defend all, all, all the way through and you know scrape a nil-nil we're not a team that scrapes a nil-nil okay yeah Dave great stuff um yeah that was absolutely awesome uh thank you so much for for joining we'll wrap this up now um yeah we'll have to uh well we'll chat to you after the game and see how it's gone and see if anything's um if anything's come to um but best of luck for the match not too much good luck uh but yeah um thank you again for joining us can you um can you just let anyone know or let everyone know again your your social channels and where to find you and how to find your stuff yeah so i'm on on twitter either at dave fevs or at fevs football and you'll find me there but make sure you check it out guys um all of the lowdown on bristol and uh their numbers and uh, tactical assessments yeah it's really good stuff and um yeah just again thanking dave for joining us thanks for having me okay so just to finish up a bit of housekeeping um uh search beast tactical wherever you search for stuff you can search for beast tactical on twitter 
um, and also rate and review the podcast. Let us know how it's going. Um, check the Substack blog. And also, there's something else I've found out you can do, apparently. You can just say to Alexa, play the Bees Tactical podcast, and it will just turn on and play the latest one. So that's a cool, uh, <laughs> a cool little addition to modern technologies um, repertoire. Um, but yeah, thank you, uh, Dave, again for joining us. And we will catch you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.